So um, last week, for those of you who weren't here, or those of you who were here already, we had Tony and Susanna from um, Safria Seabright come and minister, and then they went off to Denmark. Um, uh, I don't know about you, I thought it was a rich time. I think there are always, whenever anybody comes from a different nation, there are always some things that you kind of have to allow to adjust in your thinking because of style and where they come from and culture and everything else. But it's good to be stretched like that, and I think intrinsically some of the things that he brought of... Um, us being those who reach out in every part of our lives, inviting people, not just to um, church, but to our homes, to our lives, to encounter God, uh, is really key at this time for us. Um, And so that was really good. And if you weren't there, I encourage you to listen to the preach, Um, but it was good. They say thank you. They said to me, thank you so much for inviting us because they just felt warmly embraced by the church, which is really, really good. Um, And I'm sure they'll be back. They travel through to Denmark fairly frequently, and they have to always come through the UK. So we'll see how that goes. So this morning, we're going to carry on. Our series looking at culture and developing kingdom culture. I think we probably only got another week or so on that, uh, but we're picking up on that again this morning. So if I had to say to you the word organic, what do you think? What immediately comes to mind? Vegetables. Vegetables. Vegan. <laughs> That's quite a jump from organic. Anybody else? Sorry? Something that comes from the earth. Good. Anybody else? Natural. Do you, know, do, you want, do you want a glimpse into my thinking, what came to my mind where I wrote it down? When I was a lad, I ha- we lived on farms at different times, and, and I had a friend whose family was also on a farm, and I used to spend quite a few holidays with him on his farm. And for me, the organic thing, the immediate thing I think of is cows. And I'll tell you, and now this might seem strange to some, probably not to others, but the best thing ever was we used to get up, this is now when I was probably about 12, 13, at four in the morning when the milking happened, and, the, and it's cold, it's winter, but the best thing ever was to walk and go and do the milking barefoot through fresh cow dung. <laughs> that was because it was warm, and it's, that to me is organic. It's only reconstituted grass, there's nothing else. If you walk barefoot on the grass, what's different? It's just nice and warm on a cold winter morning. But what's wrong? Hmm? It's, just, it's organic. It's organic. What's the problem? It's not like I wouldn't do that with other animals that are meat eaters. That's horrible. But to me, that's what organic was. And so that's nothing. That, neither that nor any of the words that you've said is anything to do with what I'm preaching this morning. We're looking at building a culture that is organic, but none of that kind of organic. So don't worry, we're not going to get, uh, however much I'd love to have cows in the back garden, I don't think Rory would be happy with that. We're not doing that. And I think I'm past the thing of getting up at four in the morning to milk. So anyway, we're going to look at what it means to be organic. And we've looked at different things in, in, the, in, in the series through culture. And none of those subjects that we've carried or looked at, as well as none of the ones before, are standalone on their own, separate from everything else. They are intertwined with each other. So when we look at the different parts of... Remember when we looked at the different pictures of the church, of the body and the building and all those different things? None of those are 
isolated, they all connected. And the same thing where we look at culture, it's not, well, it's that thing and it's this thing, and, and they all intertwined and connected. And this morning as we look at this theme, it's, it's more about how we live out or, 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 or practice what we, we believe in Scripture. And so I do think this morning that there's going to possibly be some unlearning that some of us have to do in order to relearn what is correct. Well, what I, I believe is correct. And, and, and that's never easy. That's never easy, especially if it's been a lifetime of one way of thinking to then change to another way of thinking. Sometimes takes time, but it starts with a moment of, actually, yes, let me wrestle with this and let me make the adjustments. And um, what we see in the world usually contradicts what we see in Scripture. And we are called to make our mark on the world. Unfortunately, so often, the world leaves its mark on us. And so we need to be able to see what that is and adjust and make the adjustments to that. But the world leaves a mark on our thinking. The world leaves a mark on our practice. And unfortunately, that also goes into the church. Often we look at the church across the world and we see evidence of worldly ways of doing things and that are not biblical. And so we need to make some of those adjustments and, and unlearn some of those things. And that's not always easy. But when we look at everything around us, whether it be education, politics, uh, um, I, I don't know, businesses, institutions, social media, the media, all of those things, Pretty much everybody is focused on an agenda. They've got a vision, they've got a purpose, they've got an agenda that they're running after. And, and, and you kind of expect that because people give themselves to stuff. And we expect them to do that and we hope that their bigger picture would actually have a, a broader perspective or, or, or a desire that everybody is enriched and blessed if they don't even use those words, rather than just being self-focused and, and focused on what they can achieve. And um, hopefully that happens, but often the reality is actually it's really about benefiting them and benefiting what they do. And generally in institutions and schools and all these different places, they have protocols and policies and procedures that you follow that are there and put in place to govern how they work to, to make them, make sure everybody stays on track to achieve the purpose and, 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 and so that they would succeed. And when you look at that, I, I think quite generally, those things are put in place because of two reasons. One, in order to keep the focus, to, to, to maintain uh, momentum and to get, to get the results they need. Uh, kind of put in there also just to keep everything in control and so it looks neat. And the other reason is often out of fear. Fear that things would go wrong, fear that stuff would happen. And uh, that, uh, that's also birthed out of not trusting others. And so procedures are put in place because they don't actually quite trust what people would make their decisions and choices. And I know some of those things are important to have. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I think some, some things that are put in place that even in the church are necessary because of the world we live in and it's good practice like child protection policies and all. So I'm not saying do away with those. What I'm saying is those things are necessary. 
because of the fallen world we live in, but actually they shouldn't govern. But what we see in, 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 in the world that we live in is protocols and policies and procedures that are put in place to, to govern the actions, to keep us on track, to help us succeed, and, and, and most also have like a clear pathway, a clear pathway to promotion or a clear pathway to uh, leadership or something like that. Does this make sense? Or am I the only one who thinks the world thinks like this? That when you join, you usually have, well, this is how you get to there. This is how you get, you have to do this course, you have to do that thing, then you, uh, and you can't bypass any of those things. And they're tick boxes and hoops to jump through. And that's the world we live in because of the focus of, of doing those things and accomplishing the purpose. And, um, and so sometimes we see that and we understand what we need to do in order to be recognized or noticed so that we can move forward. And so a lot of that is what we live with day in and day out. And unfortunately, there's a lot of that that has also left its mark on the church. And so that's what we want to look at this morning, is that we see that in some areas of the church, there are similar structures and mindsets that we have and see in business and the world around us. And I don't know any believer who doesn't want the church that they are part of, the church family that they're part of, to... Uh, be full of life, full of joy, see fruitfulness and or success, as some people would say. I don't, see, I, I don't know any believer who doesn't want to see that. But unfortunately, in our desire to do that, sometimes people adopt procedures, structures, and strategies <laughs> that are more worldly than biblical and churches put into place protocols and constitutions and councils and boards and roots of this and pathways to that. And, and, so I'm not, uh, uh, and, and God in his grace works through all of us. Uh, so, but, but what I'm saying is if our revelation of what God has called us to is something different, then we need to be true to that. And if God reveals something from Scripture that we don't see, then we must be able to let go of church tradition or the way things are done or expectedly done to pick up with what actually what we have a conviction for in scripture and we should be walking as uh, close to that as possible so please don't hear me saying all these things to criticize because we are not perfect at all spend a day with me and you know that but we're trying to do what God's called us to do in a way that brings freedom in life and, and, and so when we look at this we, we sometimes look at the church and churches behave more like organizations and business bring some understanding to some of the things that we do and why we do them and or things we don't do, but also hopefully it will bring freedom for each one of us to live as God's called us to. So sometimes we do have to change a mindset and an attitude to adjust those things. But you see, everything in the Bible shows us that God, while he is organized, and he's a God of order, and he's organized, doesn't administrate an organization. The church is not an organization. It was funny, I went, and had, I went to the barbers this week. So, yeah, I do go to the barbers, but for my beard and nothing else. And uh, the guy asked me, it's the only second time I've been there, because usually they mess everything up. 
Um, and this guy isn't. So he, I was, huh? Not them, otherwise I wouldn't have gone back. Um, but I was having a conversation with him, and he asked me what I did. So I told him what I did, and his thing, he didn't understand what it was. He said, well, what is that then? And, it, and his question was, do you actually get paid to do that? It's like, well, yeah, it's amazingly, we do. But, so the world has a different view of us, depending on whatever happens. But actually, so often, the church is seen as an organization. Because you see that, well, that, that's a church or that organization or the whatever. And what we see in Scripture is that God is organized but doesn't administrate an organization. But when we look at the church, often that is what we have become generally. And what we see is that the life of God is organic. So I'm not saying that... Because if, when our kids were smaller, they watched that movie Cars. Anybody small kids? Cars? There was the dude who had organic fuel and it was like he was portrayed as a hippie. So I'm not saying we're hippies. I'm not saying you kind of throw everything out and you just do what you want. And there's, There is very much in Scripture that there are structures that God puts in place in the church. There are boundaries. There are leadership and all of those things. But the purpose is to bring life, not to control. The purpose is that through that there would be fruitfulness and life and expansion and growth and increase. That, that's the picture. Not kind of do what you like whenever you like without any regard for anybody else. And God, the, the life of God is organic and the church needs to be understanding that, understanding that actually it's more about a living organism that moves and changes under the inspiration and direction of the Holy Spirit than it is an organization that is structured and moved. You see, actually, for us to remain alive, we need to remain, as in, not just breathing, but alive in God, we need to remain in Him. The scripture speaks about the vine and the branches. That's where the life of God is in, the life of the church is through the life of God flowing through us. And if something hasn't got life in it, no amount of organizing, protocols, vision casting, or anything else will ever bring it back to life. No amount of forward planning or strategizing will bring something that is dead back to life. Only God can do that. And so it's imperative that we actually remain tucked into, grafted into God. So his life flows through us. And that we are therefore fruitful. Make sense? And so everything about that, we need to recognize that God alone is the author of life. And the church is organic when it moves with that life of God in us, so that what God puts in place in Scripture, we see and we don't get in the way of, but we work with, <clears throat> sorry, we work with God and the life of God then flows through us. See, it's the Holy Spirit that breathes life into the church. Not human passion or exuberance or anything else, but it is the Holy Spirit. It is Him alone, and so we need to be connected with Him. And when we look at the symbolism that the Bible uses about the Holy Spirit, what is it? It's all organic. It's fire. The fire that cleanses, fire that um, warms Wind, wind that cannot be contained. You can experience it, you can, it can blow in sails and move you forward, it can do all sorts of things, but you cannot control it. 
Scripture says it goes where it wants. No one knows where it comes from or where it's going, but we can experience. That's like the Holy Spirit. We cannot contain the Holy Spirit or control the Holy Spirit. The moment we try and do that by, um, by putting things in place, I think sometimes God will tolerate that for a while while he teaches us, but if we don't respond and allow him to move, he just breaks it open. Water. Water that cleanses, water that refreshes, water that sustains. When we read in Scripture about the, the river that flows from the throne of God at, on, and on its banks, there's fruitfulness and healing and there's life in the river. It says when it touches the salt, it turns it into fresh water. That's the life of God. See how the pictures that God himself uses to describe the spirit and, and, and the life that we to live is all connected with that. Even the picture of wine, he speaks about the, the new wine and the old wine and the wine skin that needs to be new to be flexible. Why? Because wine is organic. It changes. It doesn't just, it's not like, in that respect, it's not like water. That's just water. Wine, there's stuff that goes on that changes and it evolves. And so we need to do that. And then oil, oil that refines, oil that anoints. We see that in scripture, but also oil is often used to lubricate and things so things work smoothly. And I know we go through hard times, but if if and things sometimes don't seem to be working out, but if that becomes the mark of your whole life, you kind of have to ask the question, is the oil of the Holy Spirit really flowing in me and through me that there's some ease with which I live? I'm not saying that when we come to Jesus everything's easy. It's not. He's very clear on that. But there's something of that oil of the Holy Spirit working in us, that actually even the hard times we can make, we can get through with him. And then he even uses the, he can even take it to the point of that we're born again of the Spirit and childbirth. And childbirth is, is not organized. I mean, apart from a cesarean section, but even then you just don't know what's going to happen. Even those things. You see, there's structures in place, there's things in place. It's not just a, a marshy, because when he speaks about the, uh, the Spirit as a river, it's a river with banks, not a marsh. Where there's a marsh, there's no life. Where there are banks, the river moves, and there's life and fruitfulness. And so there are some things in Scripture that speak about that. So it's not chaos, but it's, it's God-ordained and God-leading, and so we need to understand that and respond to that. But he alone is the source and the sustainer of life. Not us, not our programs, not our anything else. It's him. And so he's the one who also causes it to grow. So when we look at what it means to be a church that is organic, we need to look at it as a church that is spirit-led with the ebbs and flows of the Holy Spirit and the freedom that we have in God. And things like... Leadership and, the, uh, 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 and different ministries, those are important and they're there in Scripture. But their purpose isn't to control, the purpose isn't to restrict, the purpose is to bring freedom that we would move into the fullness of who God's called us to. And so whatever the place that we're in, we need to understand that it is God's way in Him bringing and sustaining life, not ours that restricts. But before we look at some of the characteristics of what an organic church looks like. I, I, I want to just bring a few things in that understanding that the organic nature of church, it challenges and transforms every part of our being if we actually fully grasp what it means. 
And so my understanding of that informs how we lead Christchurch. And so some of these things, you might think, well, actually, okay, that makes sense now. Or you think, well, I, don't, I didn't see it that way. And so sometimes even I'm also aware that because of that, it doesn't always make this an easy church to be in. I know that. And it, I don't think it's because of my personality. I think it's just because of some of these things. Because we're so used to how the world thinks. And I also know that sometimes people take what I say and interpret them differently. And, and I'm quite simple. I'm, I'm, I think I would say I'm simply complex. But um, <laughs> a lot of the, th- pretty much most of what I say is what I mean. So please don't try and read things. If he says that, well, actually it means this. And that's usually because our experience of the similar terminology is something else that we then impose on. And so us, there's, there's freedom, and we've spoken about this fairly recently, for every single one of us to be authentically who God has created you to be. You have, as long as I'm leading this church, you, under God, you have the freedom to be authentically who God has created you to be, and that includes ever-changing to be like Jesus. Because that's how we live. We should be living our lives constant. You see, and I know I've said this in the past, that I'm very happy with change, and if you're in this church, you have to be happy with change. I actually kind of need to change that and think every believer has to be happy with change. You have to. Because when you come to him, you have to change. If your life next week isn't changed to become more like Christ than this week, there's something wrong. Because none of us are perfect, and all of us need to become more and more like Jesus. So as a believer, your life is marked by change, whether you like it or not. It's going to be marked by change if you respond to the Holy Spirit. But so I don't know why I put that in there, but anyway, the whole point is this, is that we, you have the freedom to be authentically who God has created you to be. And that's not an excuse to stay like you are because we have to change to conform to the likeness of Jesus. And it also means that this sometimes people find hard, that you need to take, just like I need to take, personal responsibility for your faith, for your walk and relationship with God. And if there's anything that's good that's come out of COVID and the restrictions and all those things that happened, I think it is this, that it has shaken every single one of us that we came to realize how much we relied on others compared to how much we relied on Jesus. Because being isolated, being with all the restrictions and not being able to meet together, we were forced to look at actually what is my relationship with God? Where is it at? You see, it's very often when we're in an organization and we go through pathways, it's the responsibility of those training for me to get to where I need to be. And how often does that infiltrate our life and our thinking as believers? Well, we, it's the preacher or the leader or they the ones who are going to disciple me so that I grow. And actually, we need to take personal responsibility. Because I can give you advice. I can give you a perspective. I, I'll teach the word, but I won't make the decision for you. I can't change you. I'm not going to try. Jesus changes us. 
as we respond to Him. Make sense? The other is that in this church, we don't have policies. Okay, we do have a constitution that is legal, but it is minimal because that can't restrict because we're charity and all the legal stuff, but it kind of sits there. We also have things in place like the child protection stuff, which is necessary. I'm talking about life of the church. There are no policies. There are no procedures. There are no tick boxes. There are no hoops you have to jump through. And there's no leadership pathway. Shock and horror. There isn't. It's the life of God and each one of us responding to that by saying, God, this is who you've created me to be. Yes, we have a vision because God's called us to love him, to love the world, to preach the gospel, to reach the lost, to make a difference. But all those other things of policies and procedures and some of the things people look at, well, that's your policy. It was not a policy. Some of the things we do, we just do because that's who we are. And if God says change, we change. But too often I think churches become like an organization and in order to do this, you have to do this and that and that. That's not how we work. That's not what we see in Scripture. I see in Scripture a lot of strategy for translocal ministry to go into this region to preach the gospel, to start a church. But there's very little that explains what the actual local church looks like. There's government in a local church for as shepherds to pastor, to teach, to disciple, to equip, to protect, and all those things so that life would grow. And you know what? I think there aren't examples of, well, this is how this church was worked things out. And this is because we are human. And if soon as that, we're saying, well, okay, that's a tick box. Let me do this. Let me do that. This is how we achieve it. This is how we're going to get success. And that's not it. It's an authentic living after Jesus. And so with all of that, here's the other thing. You don't need my permission to do anything. It kind of would help if you checked, because you can't just come and use the building for anything because we use it. So don't take it to the silly extreme. And I do appreciate it when people say, someone came to me this morning and said, I've got this idea, what do you think? And that's brilliant. But I've always said, if you're waiting for me to have permission to go and speak to someone or pray for someone or, or, or go and do an outreach, you're going to be waiting an awfully long time. Because I'm trying to do everything that God's called me to do and expecting that you would do everything God's called you to do. And so there's that freedom. Yes, we ask for perspective on things. That's called wisdom. It's not a protocol. It's not a tick box. It's wisdom. It would be foolish for me to just go and start something without bouncing it off someone else, at least. To say, this is what I'm sensing. What do you feel? That's why we have a leadership team, so that we can work these things out together for the good of everybody. But it's, you don't have to wait for permission to do those things. There are also no titles and no special treatment of anybody. You see, I hope that makes sense. There are no untouchables. There's no kind of special thing for this, and we are to be flexible. Yes, I sit in the front row, not because I, I, I like sitting in the front row, because... You're close to the music, you're not got distractions of everybody else, but also leading, I need to be there. 
But if you look most weeks, it's Lisa and I here. Actually, it's only one seat that is taken by us. Because most of the time I'm preaching, so I'm not sitting. And most of the time Lisa's on worship, so she's not standing. So actually there are another one, two, three, four, five, five seats. And my children don't sit with us anymore. (laughs) So you are allowed to sit here. But in our thinking, and in our, the world looks at things, we kind of put things in place. Well, that's more important. That's, and, and it's so wrong. And yes, leadership is important in the church, but somehow we've allowed the world's perspective of pathways to leadership, and leaders are more important in business, because they get, have more responsibility, they get paid more, they have more influence and everything else. And so somehow that's crept into the church. And every single one of us has to be a leader. We have to lead our own lives. If we've got a family, we need to lead our families. If we're impacting others, we're leading them to Jesus. We're discipling. That's everybody, but it doesn't make us more important. And leadership isn't, now hear me right, leadership isn't something that everybody has to attain to. If God calls and God anoints, God's the one who appoints. We just recognize I'm, I'm reluctant to use the term, but I'm going to use it so that hopefully you see something. And, and that some people would say this, that God's the one who promotes. And for me, that I understand the, the concept, but it, even that's a problem for me. Because we then have put whatever that is, is more important than something else. So I understand the thinking, and I understand the concept, which is this. Don't do things to try and get attention so that you can be noticed to then given responsibility. Don't force something to happen that God hasn't called you to. And please don't see that leadership is the be-all and end-all. That is an intrinsic important part. But everybody is intrinsically important and has a part to play. So if God hasn't called you to lead, he won't, then don't fuss about that. But please don't think that you're less important than someone else. Just be and do what God has called you to be and do. Constantly changing to be like Him. And what we need to do is respond to the ebbs and flows of the Holy Spirit and allow Him to transform us. So that act, that's why I am James. I'm not Pastor James. I'm not Vicar James. I'm not Bishop James. I'm, not, I'm just me. And I get that some cultures and church backgrounds, people battle with that, hopefully for a while, and then they get over it. But that's the thing. We are just who we are, doing what God's called us to do. Like, you need to do what God's called you to do and have the freedom to do that. And every Remember when we looked at the picture of the body? Every single part is valuable and vital. And every single part needs to be doing its part. Otherwise, the body's unhealthy. And sometimes, and there's only one head. And it's not me. It's Jesus. But if every single one of us is, is free to do, to live, to be who God's called us to be, in the role that he's called and anointed and appointed us to be in, then that's flourishing. And yes, that concept of he's the one who promotes, I think is actually probably better to say he's the one who takes us further in what he's called us to. Whether that means, let me use a very silly example, if God stirred on your heart to be the toilet cleaner, that then, then you become the world's best. But don't think, well, I'm cleaning toilets, that's because that's, I need to be noticed. 
and then that's the next step, and then the next step, and actually one day I want world domination. That's not going to happen. A very clean toilet. I hope that's making sense. But there's something of this organic culture of the life of God that flows through us that means that it's not an organization, it's not a business. Yes, there's vision, there's direction, there's st- structures in place that should bring life, not control. And our role as leaders is to protect, to lead, to feed, to pastor, to care for, so that every single one of you becomes the fullest, best that God has for you. It's not to restrict. It's not to keep you in check. So we don't, I don't, I mean, I do notice who's here and who's not here on a Sunday because of my love and care for people. I'm concerned when people are not here. But there's no register. There's, ask Katie or anybody who's worked here before. We don't have a membership tick list. I was in a church once that actually did that. Every Sunday there was a list of, there was someone who was marking off how many people were. It's like, that is bizarre. Oh, goodness me. We won't do that. Anyway, so let me get on to this. Is that we need to be those who follow God authentically, passionately. And so, is there an expectation? Yes, I, so I've also had this conversation with people. Do you expect people to be a church? Of course I do, because I expect every believer to be a church. But I'm not going to chase anybody. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to lead by example by saying, I'm there. And our response is not because I'm not coming to church because I need to tick a box or be seen so that. But it's actually a response to I'm passionately in love with Jesus. I want to be with his people. I want to grow. I want to worship. And so I miss it. So I just want to quickly, because I'm going off too long, look at some characteristics of what an organic life looks like, which we've kind of seen. But the first is this, recognize the seasons of God. You see, sometimes when we don't understand what that is, we, underst- we see that God moves in seasons, but if it's something that we enjoy, we hold on to it, when, and, and we think it's there permanently when God's saying it's only for a season. So we recognize what God does for a season and, and then move to the next thing. There are some things that God, their seasons in God are very, very long, and other things are not. But the problem is, is when we hold on to something that God only intended for a season as if it was permanent, we then become stagnant. And then we try and hold these things and put things in place that then control and the Spirit of God is moved. And then there's no life. And then no matter how much of re-envisioning and planning and, and rah-rah and everything else, if God intended that for a season and that season's passed, that's never going to resurrect that thing that's dead. So when we recognize that actually God sometimes works in seasons then we are flexible to move with the ebbs and flows of the Holy Spirit in our worship, in our life, in our leading, in, 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 in what you do, in different ministries you're involved in, and in, in, in different things that we do as a church. We move. You see, in Scripture we see the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, they followed the cloud and the, and the pillar of fire. And now it could have, they could have got to a spot, I don't know, in the desert that was actually looked quite cool. And then the cloud moves and think, but I like it here. And it's moved. If you stay where you're supposed to move, you're going to miss what God has. But also if you move when God says stay, you're equally going to miss what God has. So the key is keep in step with the Spirit and be flexible with those things that He calls us to 
and move unhindered with him, not hindered by man's structures. The second is to recognize that actually God works in team. When you look in Scripture, God works in team. We work together. Not isolated, not individual, as in individualistic or whatever it is, because we are unique, but together God works in team. Translocal teams, leadership teams, ministry teams, family teams, marriage teams. God just works in team. And when we recognize that, then we see that actually there's, there's no ladder to climb. There's no competition. It's every member doing what they're called to do. And the organic life of God flowing through us. In 1 Corinthians 3, we see that an argument in the Corinthian church. Oh, I'm of Apollos and I'm of Paul. And Paul's quick to say, well, who is Apollos and who is Paul? We are just men. One sows, one waters, God makes it grow. It's like, who is this and who is that? It doesn't matter, it's Jesus. If God calls you to sow, don't grumble about the fact that you're not calling to water. Just do what God's called you to. But God always works in team and requires us to, and, and, and to live in that, to live in the ebbs and flows of the Holy Spirit, to work in team and be happy with who and what God's called you to requires us to be secure. When we try and limit that or get our identity from those things, or then, then actually we, we realize that our security is not in God. And that's wrong. We have to have our security in Him. But organic life also pro- shows that um, God's the one who brings us through into the fullness of what He has, and I've already spoken about that. It also recognizes that we don't give in to the fears, our prejudices, or even our preferences because it's not about us. It's about Him. And every subculture that kind of tries to be established in the church, whether it be around something good, like a subculture of worship or a subculture of prayer, or you, that, that needs to break. It's one. We're one body. We've got different parts. But as soon as something else takes the place of Jesus, as soon as that becomes more important than Jesus, then we've lost it. And organic life realizes that actually every part is a part to play. And at some moments, something might get more of a profile because that moment that's required. And then another part, something else does. It's the same as in family. You see, sometimes we do things together, everybody. Other times there's a focus on, well, these children need that attention, so we're going to help them do that. And so it doesn't mean that this part is not important anymore. It means that this season and this moment, that's where the focus is. So there are times and we I recognize the ebbs and flows of the Holy Spirit and be flexible with that and confident and secure in who we are in Him and our role to play. It's quite fine that if some moments actually it feels like everything is about this group of people, but it's not always going to be. It's just because at that moment, that's what God's calling us to do and give attention to. Make sense? Too often we want to camp and make a structure and say, well, then, and, and because of that, then we need to fight our corner and promote our... And it's like, that's nonsense. There's that organic life of God, and it's allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us. And our heart is for the whole of God's Word to be applied for the whole of the church, to bring freedom, to bring life, to bring everything. So that means that, that the Word of God, and you know this is what we believe, is, is higher of a higher importance than any of our preferences, any of traditions, any protocols, any policies, which we don't have any, any of those things. It's God, what are you saying? 
How are you calling us? Let's do this together. We're not an organization. We're the church of God. That's why we don't have a full diary as a church. We've got some things in place, like Sunday mornings and home groups. Because I think if we didn't, the culture we live in, we would just not pick up on anything. But that's why we haven't got... And, and this is, as a leader, this is where my challenge is. Because sometimes I look at and talk to other church leaders and say, well, why aren't you doing this course? And what about this thing? And it's like, actually, we need to meet together on a Sunday and we have home groups because that's connecting. But those are catalysts. They're not the be-all and end-all. So that actually we all have the freedom to get into the world and reach the lost, to live and be. And if there's a moment where we're going to do a course on something, then that's fine, but it's for a moment. See, too often we churches look at things more organizationally and fill the diary of the church with organized meetings that people then feel obliged to come to, to tick a box, and so busy that they don't even reach the lost. And our whole purpose is to reach the lost, to preach the gospel. That's why intentionally we do not have a busy church diary. Probably also because I actually don't own a diary. But that's my heart. It is actually there's that freedom to live for Jesus. Authentically live for Jesus. And do whatever he calls you to do. Go and reach and be with and impact. But remember this. Our role is to leave a mark on the world. Not that the world leaves a mark on us. So whatever you're doing, make sure that you plug into what God's doing. Come when we gather on a Sunday. Get involved in a home group. Build relationally with each other. Don't wait for me to connect you. Do it so that we can see the life of God. So I'm going to end with some questions that you don't need to answer me, but I think we need to ponder is this. Are we living authentically who God's called us to be to please Him, to please ourselves, or to please man? Only you can answer that. And that one, there's only one right answer. Do we live to please Him, please ourselves, or please others? Are we flexible to move with God, or are we rigid? Are we authentic, or are we fake, trying to jump through hoops? How do you see church life? As an organization, or a living organism that with the, bre- the breath and life of God flowing through that brings freedom, life, and fruitfulness. If some of your thinking has been messed up with this morning, good. Go away. Ask the Holy Spirit. As in go away and ask the Holy Spirit. Not go away. Go away and ask the Holy Spirit. Go away and ask the Holy Spirit to bring in land with His ebbs and flows. And, and where that's happened, where you find that actually I've been doing this because of duty or my encouragement and my plea is this if that is what you feel you've been doing allow the Holy Spirit to change your heart and your attitude rather than say because of that I'm out of here I'm jumping ship or I'm stepping back and not going to be involved in anything because then what you're hearing is 
God speaking and you responding according to your flesh and according to what the world says, rather than saying, God, okay, change my heart. Change my heart. Because what you're doing is probably what God's called you to do, but it's the heart that needs to change. And too often what I've seen is people recognize that and their response is, well, then I'm not doing anything because I need to protect and I need to redo. It's like Satan will keep you in the redoing forever. Or they say, well, if that's what it is, I'm out of here. I'm going somewhere else. And that's just geography. You're going to face the same thing again. I hope that's helpful. I hope it brings some understanding as to why and how we do things. But my heart and what I see in Scripture is we His church, the life of God flowing through us, be free. Do what God's called you to be, who God's created you to be, together. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you love us so much and you've put things in place that we would flourish. Lord, we repent where we have made those things structures that have restricted. Thank you that you spoke to us during the worship. Thank you. I pray that you speak to us through this word. But Lord, I pray that each one of us would respond in a way that brings life and freedom rather than tries to organize and structure. That Holy Spirit, you would lead, you would breathe life through us, that we would impact the world around us for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.